Hey, Race Chaser listeners, welcome to our bonus episode this week brought to you by Bombas, right here on the Race Chaser feed. We've assembled an amazing group of guests for a round table to discuss drag, pride, and how the landscape of being a queer performer has changed over time. Plus, we have an extra special pride fact to share with you right in the middle of the show, so make sure you stick around and around to check it out. And all of this awesome programming is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also given to someone in need. Yes, and this year, Bombas is celebrating pride with a new collection made for taking whatever you do, how you express yourself, whoever you are, and being your most. Having the freedom to express yourself, to own your passion, to embrace whatever it is that drives you to do what you do best. Go to bombas.com slash pride chat. chat. And get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash pride chat. P-R-I-D-E-C-H-A-T for 20% off. Bombas.com slash pride chat. Hey, girl, hey, and happy Pride. Mm, Pride. I'm Alaska. And I'm Willem. And this special bonus episode of Race Chaser is brought to you by Bombas. That's right. We are happy to team up with Bombas to present you to our special Pride Roundtable discussion. That's right. And this is what we like to call Pride Chat. Pride Chat. Pride Chat. Pride Chat. And this is the topic today is drag evolution. And we have some wonderful guests today with us to share in a roundtable discussion about their experiences as drag performers and how that's evolved over the years with the pride movement and the mainstreaming of drag culture. And before we get into the episode, we want to remind you Bombas is celebrating pride with a new collection made with you in mind to be your most. Honey, you're doing the most. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you better be your most as well. That is Bombas. Okay, Bombas, we love them. They're perfect for expressing whoever you are and embracing whatever it is that drives you to do what you do best. Their new vibrant and colorful socks can help you show your pride with every step. And they've got underwear with rainbow colored waistbands that's always soft and comfortable. Yes, I love Bombas underwear. I might be wearing them right now. I'm not going to get into details. I'm not going to go blue, but Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. (laughs) They have many Um, colors and patterns to choose from. (laughs) The Bombas Pride Collection is also designed to help you be your most supportive. So 40% of homeless youth in the U.S. identify as LGBT TQIA+, which is why every item purchased in this collection is matched by an item donated to someone in the LGBTQIA plus community experiencing homelessness through the Ally Coalition. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Mm-hmm. So go to bombas.com slash and get 20% off your first purchase. That's right. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash P-R-I-D-E-C-H-A-T for 20% off. Bombas dot com slash Pride, Pride Chat. Chat. So let's get into this Pride Chat. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is our Pride Chat about the evolution of drag. You already know. 
Drag has evolved. And we're going to discuss yeah. drag, pride, what mm-hmm. it means to be a queer performer these days, mm-hmm. and mixing artistic expressions. <laughs> Impressions or expressions? Both, girl. Both. I can do a mean Betty Davis. Uh-huh. Political activism. Political activism. Go ahead. Cultural subversion. Mm-hmm. And getting paid for the gigs. We love that. Yes. Because, hey, we all got to eat. That's right. And we have assembled a really stunning panel of amazing guests from around the country mm-hmm. to give us some perspectives on their experiences as drag performeresses and artists and what pride means to them and how the landscape of being a queer performer has changed over time. So let's introduce our stunning diva panel. In the studio with us, she's not only a fellow <laughs> drag queen, but also a trained Mexican folklorico dancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a fashion designer. <laughs> They've created many looks for the girls, and their work has been featured on Drag Race, The Pit Stop, and Oprah just shared an image of a dress she made. It's Godoy! Yes. I'm here. Good day, Godoy. Good day. Good night. Um, uh, I want to introduce the legendary showgirl, actor, creative director, holder of many pageant titles, including Miss Gay US of A 2016. She's currently starring in the Tyra Banks produced docu-series Generation Drag. This is drag superstar Aurora Sexton. And this is my new PR team, Alaska Thunderfuck. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and via Zoom, we have icon and legend, voice of an angel, shoulders of a linebacker, actor, writer, (laughs) comedian, drag trailblazer, beginning her fourth decade in drag, the incomparable Varla Jean Merman. Hello, you guys. I probably have the most makeup on now than all of us. (laughs) Color match your butthole. (laughs) No, that looks like this. Still pink, good for you. <laughs> and finally, she's the queen of the fleet, breaker of tops, mother of cummies, and two-time best drag queen of the Bay. She has graced billboards in San Francisco, is the creator of the smash hit party Reparations. She will give you wig reveals, bag reveals, Vira videos, and a whole lot of ass. This is Nikki Jizz. We're so glad to have you here, Nikki. Aww. Good morning, everyone. We're here. We're doing it. We're queer. And yeah, thanks so so much for having me here. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. If mm-hmm. you have a high heel on, you may take it off. They can't see our feet. Yeah. I'm not taking it off. Oh, no. The young girl. Some of the, gir- some of the girls some are girl. wearing heels. I'm not going to say who. Some of the girls are hoofed and some of the I'm, girls you know are. What? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disclose. I'm going to disclose. Oh, but they are Prada. They are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm fully untucked, just letting it hang out. <laughs> Monster Loving match. myself right now. I had a rehearsal, that's my excuse, I promise. Okay. <laughs> well, we wanna start by just going around the room uh, and asking everyone, how long have you been doing drag? And uh, why don't we start with Varla? Uh, the first time I did drag was in 1987 uh, oh. for a, uh, in my high school, they had a senior auction and we paid these uh, freshman girls to make us go to school and drag. So that was the first time I ever did drag. And then in college, right after that is when I just started uh, to make videos in drag uh, before there were even uh, VHS cameras. I think they were beta at the time. But that's where I started really young, 87. She's a beta queen. Uh, <laughs> how about you, Nikki? 
Um, not including like Halloween, uh, right. but the first time I ever did drag, it's been seven years since sure. I did my very first drag performance. Um, I used to work at Amoeba Music uh, here in San Francisco, oh. and we always do a work party, and Beyonce's self-titled album came out, and I was like, fuck it, I want to do drag, I want to like do an eight-minute Beyonce number, and yeah, I was. it was very ambitious, eight minutes, uh, and I thought it was the prettiest girl in the world, barely shaved, but like <laughs> brows, a little bit of blush, maybe eyeliner, and then, but after that, then I was like, oh wait, I think I love this, so yeah, I've been doing drag for seven years in the Bay Area, and yeah, I love it. It's fun. How long you been doing it, Godoy? I've been doing drag for nine years. I was busted as fuck, and I actually was wearing like this banged blonde wig. Nine years. Nine years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were you trying to read Will? No, I actually did have a blonde banged wig. <laughs> Was that a re? <laughs> it was not, Is but that- I realized it was a great setup. <laughs> <laughs> I looked horrible. It was this blonde banged oh wig with a black with streak in one side. And my drag yeah. auntie is Willem. <laughs> is that the same wig? No, that one looks like it might be human. It is human. Oh, it's Zach Killian, goddammit. It's always the human. Oh. How about you, Aurora? <laughs> um, I started doing, I think the I mean, I was always dressing up as a kid, you mm-hmm. know, and I mean, drag is subjective, so I was always in drag, but... Right, um, I think got the paid f- for it. Oh, uh, the 13. <laughs> yeah. So I, I started doing drag at 12 years old. I was in a gay support group, and I went to my first Pride Fest, and I just wanted to go in drag, so my friend put me in drag, and we met all the queens, and after that, like, the bug just bit, and I knew. And then we started doing shows at a coffee house, um in Colorado and Denver and um the older queens took notice of what we were doing so they started coming and do the shows and then it kind of snowballed and I was in my first professional show at 15 it was the only um look like review show in town and my mom had mm-hmm. to like sign a parental consent for me to be in it mm-hmm. and like come to half the shows but yeah. um but yeah that's when the monster was born so 15 oh, so 15 oh years ago 30 now right Okay, so 35 plus 7 is 42, plus 9 is 51, plus 30 is 81, 81 plus 25 is 101. 106 years of drag and showgirl experience wow. is in this roundtable hey. right now. Wow. And if y'all climb the paywall to see me do math, you're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> I guess I want to start by asking about, like, why why drag as a sort of career path or if you're even if it is a career path so Godoy, i want to start with you when did you say like oh i could i can do this for a job do you want my pc answer or like the no. correct okay I'll we want trash tr- we won't talk trash <laughs> okay i was in college right uh-huh backtrack a little bit i used to go to drag shows as a kid my parents used to take me to Mexican, like, Transformista shows, so, like, celebrity impersonation. Amazing. Um, I probably saw Aurora there. Right. Teenage traveling at the show. <laughs> and I took interest in it, but I was in college when I first started, and I did it because my best friend at the time, rest in peace, was like, I do drag, and I went, I bet I'd be prettier. <laughs> so I started doing it. <laughs> and we used to compete together and, like, go out and celebrate Pride together. I live. Uh, now, do you eat free at Shakey's? Do they just assume you're a child? I do get carded <laughs> at Shakey's now, um, and they don't let me ride roller coasters. 
Okay. It's oh, a man. pizza place. There are no roller coasters. And when did I decide? What was the second part to the question? Sorry. Like drag is a career path. Drag is a career. It chose me. <laughs> okay. No, no I hear that. Kind of started um, performing. I've also been dancing since I was a kid. So she's a dancer. I'm a trained dancer, and I choose not to use my skills. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then Marta Beach actually booked me on my first show. That paid me. Hey, Marta. Hey, Marta. Uh, we Girl. see you. Marta was trying to get them orange Louboutins out my hands like four or five times. She said, you going to take those still? I said, yeah, bitch. They're mine. And then you left them behind, didn't you? No, I kept them. Oh, They're okay. the ones that I wanted. But like she came over and that other girl, old Bertha looking bitch, oh, I don't trying know. to get my lubes. Did you hear the story about the lady that came to us? Oh, so she went up to you. She tried to make you wear a cork wedge. Gross, I'm not Mariah. Uh, she didn't have to try. <laughs> she came over. She was like, can you believe there's men over there taking all the 42s? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I can't believe that. And I was standing at the 38 section because that's my shoe size, you know. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And I just took all my pants. And then she said, do you know where your mom is? Yeah, and I pointed at Angina. <laughs> <laughs> she got all the girls in. So I have a story that's kind of similar to yours. I was like a costumer in theaters. I volunteered at a theater when I was like 13 and I wanted to like be a costumer and I would draw stuff and then I, people would be like oh designer and I was like neither for me um, <laughs> but me. then uh, they were doing like the Jesus Christ superstar curtain call and everybody was getting claps and I was like the, we should go out I mean we helped we did the costumes and they're like no costumers don't get a bow and I was like I don't know if I could do this. I need people to clap for me. I was like, they're getting all these claps for these outfits, and I helped make the outfits. And I was like, you know what? And I could probably do what they do too. So then I started doing acting stuff, and that became drag, and it just snowballed from there. And now I have many snowball sisters. Honey, we love a snowball sister. What about you, Nikki? When were you like, I can do this as a job? Um. So I, growing up, I was always that kid in my family where it was like, Nick, go dance for everyone. Go like dance and entertain so like entertaining's mm -hmm. always been like something in my blood like instilled in my family since as a young child and you know I like originally I was going to school to become a veterinarian I was well originally Ooh, I was like, like ketamine, I'm huh? <laughs> yeah exactly Same horse girl. girls realness uh -huh. the horse girls know <laughs> yes. um originally no I was like oh, I want to be I was going to go to school for to be a veterinarian and I was like I'm going to become a stripper so I can save up money to go to veterinarian school and then uh, that never really like panned out. And then when I started doing drag, I was like, well, this is pretty much the same damn thing. I do take off my clothes for money. Um, and I do let old men touch me for money. It's pretty much the same thing. I just wear a lot more makeup sometimes. Uh, and yeah, drag was just something I, it was the best expression of myself that I didn't know was real, that I didn't know it was like something I needed until I did it. And then after I did my very first performance at a work party, I was like, oh, wait, I want to get booked. And I started doing gigs. Then I started performing at the stud. And then here I am now. And, you know, I worked at my day job for 12 years. Like, and then during those seven years I was doing drag, I was doing, working there full time um, and also doing drag like three to four nights a week. So it was like a lot of overlapping. Yeah. I used to sleep on my lunch breaks for the hour and like just to get yeah. enough energy to go back out and do it again. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. I loved it. Um, there's always cocaine. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I mean, we're drag bag. queens. If there's not a bag, uh, there's not a show sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I know girls that definitely said, no, we're waiting to start the show till Abel's here. <laughs> we need our candy. Okay. <laughs> need us to get it through it. Um, and then, during the pandemic, I, you know, obviously wasn't working 
And then, you know, I was like just doing digital drag like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then my job was like opening up again. They're like, you want to come back? I was like, fuck no. <laughs> fuck that shit. I don't want to deal with record stores anymore. Dirty old men. I'm, you know, who don't tip me. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do this shit like full time. And it's been the best decision of my life. Virgo. We love hearing that. Yeah. Varla. Yes. When when did you choose drag? Well, I did videos in New Orleans and they would just play them behind music. This is before there were videos, you know, MTV had only started, you know. So I did these videos in New Orleans. And when I moved to New York to work in advertising, I went to the Wonder Bar and they were playing the videos that I had made in New Orleans. I was like, oh, that's me. And the guy was like, well, you should come do a benefit at the Pyramid Club because they're having a big march on Washington. It was a benefit so these girls could go to the March on Washington, I think in 93. So I did a benefit and then I got booked all over town. So I was doing advertising. And then at the same time, I was having to go out. I'd work, you know, to five, six. Then I'd go home, get in drag, go out, unfreeze the cow tongue. That's another story. And I would perform and then I'd come home and kept going back and forth. And finally, um, I never thought it would work out as a living, but I got in the Broadway show Chicago. I was an understudy. I went on tour. And when I came back, I was like, I don't want to go back to fucking work. You know, it was just you know, I, I didn't like it. So I got booked in Provincetown. And then we, back then you would just make brown paper bags full of cash. <laughs> of course, everybody got arrested for uh, tax evasion. But, uh, uh, and after like that, mob. yeah, I know. no, really the woman, Phyllis Schlossberg, rest in peace. We would go to her house and she had agoraphobia and she'd look down the banister with these nails and bracelets and she would just drop a bag of cash down three flights. And you would just see her up there looking over the banister because she was, she would never leave the house. And so after those bags of cash, I was able to go to New York and get an apartment for a year. I paid down payment and paid for the entire year. And I thought, I need to do this for a living. This is so much better than going to an office. And then I just kept going to P-Town and it's been 25 years now of doing that. No oh. more cash though. That stopped in like no more cash 99. <laughs> do you know Josh Kilmer Purcell? He was a drag queen named like Aqua. And he wrote a book about being in advertising and doing drag in New York in the 90s. And he had these fish in his titties and PETA came for him. And he, he wrote. I remember that story. Yes, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, I am, I forget what it was called. I am not myself yeah. these days or something yeah. like that. It was a good book, but yeah, kind of similar to your story. Yeah. I would go to work and I, I managed to get these jobs where I could completely blend in and they were forgot, they would forget I worked there. And so I would sleep under my desk sometimes during the day and nobody, they just would keep forgetting I worked there. It was, I was very good at disappearing. It seems like over the last 10 years, there's been this show called RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> but because of that, it's sort of been, there's a popularity of drag like never before, which also means like bigger social media, uh, not only being an entertainer, but being like a community leader kind of vibe for drag people. Um, how do you uh, How do you feel about this and how do you navigate that? You know, before Drag Race, you know, how I got involved in drag was through the pageant circuits, you mm-hmm. know, so Miss Gay Yosefe and Miss Continental, Entertainer of the Year. And when I got to Chicago, you know, and saw um, how you could make a full-time living off that and merely make your fame and fortune travel the country, you know, that was kind of my in with it. And I found that I was very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was – drag was still a boutique 
kind of arena outside of the pageant circuit, there were only a handful of girls like Barla who, you know, that you saw on TV or doing major things with celebrities and stuff. Right. Um, and now it's like they want you in every commercial, every brand, and which I think is amazing and incredible for um, our entire industry all of, as a whole. You know, we've all definitely benefited from it. Um, more exposure, more understanding, and I think um, – Changing cultural perceptions on, you know, who who drag artists are, who gay people are, who queer people are, trans people. Um, you know, now we're going through a whole trans, you know, revolution, you know, with um, kids coming out younger and younger. And and as we have gotten more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, as more people see us, you know, it's great, you know, for education and um, for for people to become more accepting and empathetic of our community, but it's also um, made it more dangerous for us because now you see this backlash um, of um, patchwork laws across the country targeting trans kids, targeting the parents of trans kids. Now they don't want you to be able to take your kids to drag shows. You know, they won't do anything about guns, but got to stop those fucking drag queens from grooming your children. You know, I think... Um, it's just so rapidly changing and there's so much to keep up with. Um, but I'm, I wouldn't do anything else. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful to, um, have the career I do and the life I do and to work with so many amazing, incredible artists. Varla and I have done P-Town a couple summers together, yeah. roughing it on the street, begging people to come <laughs> see our shows. <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, that's, that, that's showbiz. But you know, in the 90s, even gay people didn't want drag around. And there was a big movement in the 90s in New York City to get rid of dykes with bikes and to get rid of the drags. And they did not want, there was a whole movement, you know, about just blending in and not having any drag or any overtly gay images in the media. And even Logo, when Logo first came out, yep. everybody pitched shows on Logo. And they said, no drag, no drag, no drag. There was nothing. They didn't consider anything until uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, there was, they, and I mean, the, the network was tanking. And of course, you know, that really sort of helped, obviously, but uh, they didn't want, even Logo didn't want that sort of image on there. Yo, you're right about that, because I was on a pilot called Viva La Diva, Bridget of Madison County, Maria Roman, and, mm. um, and Kelly Mantle. And it was us making over this straight girl in 2004 and she was like uh, uh she worked at playboy so we got her all playboy tarted up and like photo shoots all that makeover blah 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 revealed to the husband it was a great show like very queer eye but with us four girls and logo said no we don't even need to see the tape we want no drag queens right now a trans show is okay and they had calpurnia's trans american love story but no drag. They wanted it like they wanted, they did not want to scare the straight people, they said. It's like, really? Like saying something and, like that? Yeah. Who says that? Because like people clicking through, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And now they can't get enough of us. Like we're literally like on every, like drag performers are like all over the place now, like literally at award, at the Met Gala and shit now. Like, well, Nikki, you recently performed for a group of children as part of a Pride gig, and you did your iconic number where you lip sync to Whitney Houston, and you do multiple wig reveals down to your bald scalp, and then and then you rip the ball head open to reveal another wig. Can you, like, this performance had some traction with the right-wing extremists for on social media, and you've been harassed online, we're hearing? Yeah. Yeah, okay, tell so us what is, happened here. This is insane. Are so they yeah, tipping, I, too, at least? Is there a spot we can tip you? 
What's your Venmo, um, yeah, bitch? You can always send me a tip at my Instagram or my Venmo cash app. It's Nikki Jizz. Nikki spelled like Minaj. Jizz like semen, like what you had for breakfast. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> She knows yeah, my life. It's been fucking crazy. I So yeah, I, before, I got booked for, I got booked. It wasn't a free gig, so that's why I showed up. <laughs> and I got booked for like a middle school, 6th through 12th grade um, school to do their pride event. The school was really fucking amazing, honestly. They, like, even have a gender studies class where they teach, like, the ninth graders about gender expression and everything. So I was, like, really happy to do be there. And they even, the teachers went through all the kids and told them what drag was, like, what gender, like, identities. They, like, they prepared the children. And it was a really great progressive school. So anyways, me and two other queens show up there. Um, I did my Whitney Houston I Have Nothing number where I do five work reveals um like five work reveals i didn't do the pussy i didn't do the ball cap because i had to do the number twice so i can't like put the ball cap on and also those kids were not tipping so they don't get the they don't (laughs) don't get the the ball cap yeah yeah but um so i did the number it was really fun we did a little meet and greet with the kids afterwards Mm -hmm. we even did like a little uh runway where they like had a box of like wrapping paper and all these supplies and they like got into drag outfits and like did a little walk the runway. So the kids were having a great time. We had a great time. And then a few days later, I ended up posting the picture uh, the video, 15 seconds of me doing the wig reveals and the kids like screaming and cheering. And like my followers were like, Oh great. This is so sweet. So wholesome. They're like, we never see wholesome like this from you, different kind of holes. So like I did the number and then all of a sudden I started getting like, what the fuck you groomer. And then like bigots and right-wing people found the video, particularly this one Instagram libs of TikTok. They like found it. And then literally just like, like start sending me hate mail. Like they started trying to dox me. They like went through my stuff, found my email. They were like literally sending me emails saying like, go to hell. They Someone sent me a picture of a, a rope and said find a chair and jump use it like literally telling me to kill myself all this shit so i've gotten i started getting death threats and i had to go private on all my on my accounts pretty much because like it was just a lot all at once and like i'm getting like people telling me i'm a sexualizing children um some people were like stop shaking your ass and your tits in front of kids i was wearing a full-length gown like full-length gown (laughs) all i did was take off wigs and yes, my name is Nikki Jizz, but when I do like corporate gigs or like I do gigs with children, I go by Nicole? Nikki J. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah. They were like, oh, Nikki Jizzington. <laughs> like, how dare this child be in front of children? But I go by Nikki J when I do things like that because I'm not an idiot. And yeah. so it was like really horrible. Like, and also this is like Pride Month. So I had and I had like shows I needed to promote and do all this stuff. And I like couldn't even go on social media because I was like tired of getting like messages on Twitter saying like, fuck you, go to hell, you're a groomer. Um, like, how dare you do this in front of children? So it was like really traumatizing, honestly. And, you know, luckily like my community here was really supportive and people all over the country were really great, but it was, it was a lot. And yeah, it was baffling. I can't, I'm so shocked a little bit by it. Trauma makes for good audition tapes, honey. 
That is true. Now I have trauma when RuPaul's like, so, where she's like, what's your trauma? And I'm like, I was told that I was a groomer and that Nicole Jizzington is a cool name. Actually, they did say that. They did say my name was cool, but then they were like, that shouldn't be around children. But, you know, it, it is scary, but you know, don't stop doing it if you enjoy it. Yeah. Because if you, if you quit, then that means they win. T. Yeah. I, I just didn't like, it was one of the things I like a lot of my friends told me that too. And I, I would never quit because I got to pay the bills somehow. Exactly. Um, I'm just like, the people were just made no sense. They were like so delusional and they're just saying like, how dare you do this? Like, and I'm like, the kids, they're like, the kids were literally cheering. They're like, they're screaming, listen to their screams. I'm like, it's, they're cheering me on. Like <laughs> cheering at Yeah. They're mad. They can't wear my wigs. Right. Actually, they did. Some one of the girls was like, "Can I have one?" I was like, "No." I was like, "You can't have these pussy cats. I need them." So this is this is sort of a thing that, like you said, Aurora. There's so much more attention on drag, and so with that comes some negative attention. So a group of proud boys stormed a drag queen story hour at the library in San Lorenzo and bullied and mocked and harassed a queen named Panda Dulce. Uh, and they were eventually escorted out by the sheriff, but they stood outside and protested the drag queen story hour. Did you hear about this? Yes. <laughs> I didn't hear about it, but fuck them. There's okay. nothing to be proud about if you're, no. No. Go yeah. do something else. Go fuck your cousin or something. They yeah. do. I did that yeah. too, and I'm gay. <laughs> but the cousin was busy working at the Piggly Wiggly, so they couldn't at the time. So what'd you say about Jiggly? <laughs> oh my god. So I, I actually know Panda Dulce too. She's from the Bay Area. And that yeah. happened right after I started getting all of my like hate mail. Mm -hmm. And the same account that was sending me, like, like trying to dox me and put my information out there they were telling people to go to this. So they like set it up to like have those people go there and harass her at um, at the gig. Rhinestone tasers, ladies. Ridge Gallagher makes them. She's a dom. <laughs> you know, y'all know her, Ridge. She makes rhinestone tasers and they go in everybody's purse and they should. But if the parents approve of it, why is it even a problem? You can take your kid to an, a, a rated R movie if you're if you're escorting him in. I mean, if the parents have all agreed to this, I could understand right. if there was a parent that was like, I didn't know this drag queen was going to perform at this storing hour. But th these parents are taking their children there. I right. mean, it's not, you know, it's total their, their, you know, responsibility. I don't understand why they get so crazy. I mean, shouldn't they be mad at the parents? It's because right. these people don't know how to mind their business. Yeah. Smoke your own smoke and, and raise your own babies. Mind your, mind your business. <laughs> well, well, well the, I mean, this is all done by design. Like, we're right. in a really, really toxic place in our political discourse right now in this country. And you have conservative think tanks around the country that going into election years, they look for wedge issues that they mm -hmm. can use to fire up their base to go vote. Yes. And for a long time, that was gays. That was gay marriage. Now gay marriage is the law of the land. You know, trans people are the new boogeyman. You know, mm -hmm. over the past five years, we've we've had so many laws thrown at us from where we can go to the bathroom, what sports team we can play on, if we're allowed um, to access um, public spaces. Mm -hmm. Period. Now they're going healthcare. after healthcare. Now they're going after um, families of trans kids in Texas, charging them with child abuse, um, and 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 they 
um, they look at these drag queen story hours, they look at all these other things that are happening and they're like, okay, this gets people fired up. Yeah. We And and they they have keywords, groomers. You mm-hmm. constantly see the in these news stories, like they piled up 30 assholes in a U-Haul to try and go disrupt Idaho Pride somewhere. Yeah. And thank God, you know, they caught them before they did, you know, any real destruction or damage. But you, they, they are... F- spoon feeding these these people these horrible things saying that trans people are bad they're gonna um, attack and molest your children that all gay people and drag queens are groomers mm-hmm. and and they're um, se- sexualizing your children you know and that gets into these people's heads as a real concern you know and we're hearing a different news narrative than these people are and the one that they're getting fed is very toxic and yeah. and and inspiring them to violent acts. Yeah, and completely took the the subject off of the, the shootings that have just happened, you know, and now it's, yeah. it's so, this is tastier to people, you know, it's terrible. Now, does this lead anybody to thinking that we need to be more politically active in our drag somehow? Like, or drag queens are always at the front of every march, like, yes, uh, I we, we have a Let's Get Political segment, and I've learned more in the last, like, two, three years of doing that than I did in my whole adult life about politics, because I would literally just vote for whoever my husband told me to vote for. Right. I feel like drag is a form of activism in itself. Like it's an act of like defying what gender like norms are. It's like we are trying to do, we were trying to express ourselves in whichever way we want. And it should be like, yeah, like I think us politicizing and also just like fighting for and showing people like this is what our lives are. This is what we do. This is how we love each other. And this is how we bring entertainment and happiness into the world. And for people to like see that and tarnish something that's really like sweet and innocent and like try to make it into something that is like, you know, like the evil, the devil, like, you know, it's baffling. Varla, do you ever get political in your performances? You know, I used to, I did a show a few years ago called A Little White Music. And it was, you know, it was all about <laughs> But I mean, I don't even think I could do that these days now. But the whole thing was about how white people, you know, uh, how they sort of change everything and take other people's, you know, cultural inspirations. And, you know, even the whole thing about Jeannie, I did a whole thing about Jeannie. I mean, Jeannie was blonde and and is from Iraq, you know. I dream of Jeannie. I dream of Jeannie was supposed to be from Iraq and she's blonde and blue eyed. But only the evil people that Jeannie knew like her father and her sister had dark hair. And so, you know, even that, it was made for white people to think that, you know, all Iraq people are bad, but Jeannie's not, she's blonde, so she's good. You know, so the whole show was about white sort of pretense and and how even Jesus, I mean, you know, Jesus would look like he was from, you know, Israel. I mean, you know, he wouldn't look like, you know, sandy blonde hair, like he was from, you know, uh, Southern California. And so that whole show was about that. I found it wild, though. I did a show. Oh, and I did that show in Palm Springs. But I realized now in Palm Springs, you know, not all gays are Democrats. That was the first place I realized that where money is, the gays are not all Democrats. And so I remember the show one night, people getting mad and leaving when I got to the kind of the end about, you know, kind of voting for Hillary. And, um, you know, so I don't do a lot of political humor, but in the times that I've had, you know, it's very interesting to see when you play it that the people you think are going to be on your side are not always on Mm. your side 
you know. Did you try to pull out the string cheese chick? That always that always <laughs> yeah. gets them, doesn't I'm it? I'm lactose intolerant now. Really? <laughs> yes. My colon's full of orange plastic at this point. Oh my. <laughs> How many cans do you think you've ingested over the years? Oh my God, so many. But I remember this is a great story. When I first came to P-Town, I, there's a hardware store here, you know, uh, uh, Aurora called True Value. And they had all this cheese for sale for a dollar. And they're like $4. So I was like, oh my God. I bought all this cheese. And the one night, like in 98, I started to do the cheese. It came out, it was dark brown and dripping oil, uh, but I had to still do the number because it's like, it looked like dark poo. Uh, and, I doing that, and I had to do it anyway, but then it was so thick and expired that it, I almost choked to death on it. I couldn't get, I couldn't slide down myself. You bought cheese at a hardware store, you dumb bitch. What did you expect? That's, that's the only place to buy cheese there. Oh, hardware yeah. cheese. <laughs> Oh. I mean, are you gay if you, are you even gay if you don't have IBS? Like, let's be real. <laughs> uh, only hot girls have IBS. You're a bottom with IBS who can't host. <laughs> let's oh. talk about, it's, it's Pride History Fact Time. There's locusts in the studio. Let's all do it in our microphone. list. <laughs> Do you want to read it, Willem? Yes. You're good at reading. You have a good reading voice. Three years before Stonewall, a protest for gay rights started in another New York City bar. In mm -hmm. 1966, three members of the Mattachine Society, mm. an early organization dedicated to fighting for gay rights, staged a sip-in, a twist on sit-in protests of the 1960s. The trio visited taverns, declared themselves gay, and waited to be turned away so they could sue. Oh, three years before Stonewall. Yeah. Um, Mattachine. There honey. was there was a, a riot at Clifton's or Compton's Cafeteria in San Fran in 1966, too. Um, and then after that, I think Black Cat was 68. But a okay. lot of people think that Derek Barry threw the first brick at Stonewall. But in actuality... Did that kill the person that died? No. No. Oh. Nobody died. Derek didn't. <laughs> nobody died. But Derek didn't throw the first brick at Stonewall because Tina Burner wasn't even born yet. And if so, he wouldn't be able to pick her up. He'd just have to push her. The more you know. <laughs> oh, my God. I have a question about yeah. this occurrence. Um, yeah. In the, 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 what was it, three days before? What was this you just read? Three years. Oh, three three years, years before. Is that society. what um, was referenced in Pose with MJ going into that, that bar and doing the sit-in, that whole thing? Do you think that was referenced? Mm. Is that it? I'm uncultured. I'm Mexican, and I, I love my Mexican culture. I don't know so I much mean, about American culture. I mean, the drag thing, uh, literally, they wouldn't let drag queens into parties in the Pines. And, and the same thing in New York. Bars didn't want drag queens. They didn't. They Sometimes they would say, like, it's men at, the, at Spike. Men's in, only. On Santa Monica Boulevard, Spike would have men's only parties. And this was like when I got here in 2000, 2001. They wouldn't let women in or drag queens. Up until recently, dating even in drag has been so like tab taboo. You're a drag queen. How much do you charge? Nothing. Apparently, that's what's wrong. <laughs> well, you ain't dating that's right. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> Sounds like Damn. you're socializing, honey. Damn, fuck. Oh, I remember in college, like calling my friend, my roommate, and saying, "Please de-drag my room," you know, and just throw every throw everything in the closet so that you could bring someone home, like because you left, you didn't expect you to bring someone home, and have someone de-drag your room and totally, you know, pretend that you didn't do it. I mean, that. that do a you lot. do you still do that? <laughs> <laughs> he puts a wig on there. <laughs> no, 
Yeah, Marla doesn't even live in my house now. <laughs> she has a separate she, dwelling. She has her own storage unit. You yeah. know, the worst would be is I would bring trade home and then like they would see the drag. If I didn't hide it already, uh-huh. they would see some and then they were like, oh, can you put me in drag? Right. But I'm like, no, I'm trying to get my hole blown out right now. Right. <laughs> like, maybe, af- maybe afterwards. But like, it's happened so many times. They're like, can you put me in drag? I'm like, fucking A. The girls on Drag Race have it hard because, you know, I mean, people know what you look like out of drag. I mean, mostly back in the day, people would know. I remember, like, if I'd slept with someone in the day and they'd come to my show that night in P-Town and they'd have no idea it was right. even, even you. you Barla, right. no I idea. saw you at uh, two cans that one. Di- I, I don't know if you remember me, but I definitely remember you. I do, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I was doing my makeup and I turned back. Marla had just finished her one-woman show. And I looked back and I was like, girls, who's that hot guy down? Girl, <laughs> and they were like, "That's Barla," and I went, "Sorry." No, the same thing. <laughs> the same thing happened to me. And we were like carrying on a conversation. And then I was like, "Oh, I don't know who this guy is. He knows so much about drag. He knows so much about me. It's like we know each other, you know." And no, everyone was like, "Yeah, that's fucking Varla, bitch." I've hit on Lanasha Sparks twice, <laughs> but you knew who she was, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Isn't she your like season sister? No, she's, oh, she's five girl. Sorry, I'm an even number, not one of those odd seasons. I they call li- them odd for a reason, <laughs> honey. Odd, very odd. <laughs> not the reason of the season. Uh, Violet, I have a question. Do you see yeah. yourself as a representative for the Alphabet Mafia (LGBTQIA+)? How many letters uh, yeah, are you? I, I, you know, I, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm married. I mean, and I, uh, I've been gay my whole life. I mean, I just. How's that going? Uh, uh, it's really great. I mean, it's Fine, definitely right? a challenge at times, but it's, you know, it's it's so great. I can't believe that, you know, I, I never thought I would really be married to anyone. So it was wild that it happened, you know? So, I, I mean, I love him. He's amazing. And uh, we have a family, you know? So, and I never thought I'd have that even, you know, I never thought that sort of this, you know, sort of conservative way of life, this, I didn't think that I would have that. So, I mean, I mean, I can't still believe, I still can't believe that we have the right to get married. I just never thought it would fucking happen. I knew it would happen in Massachusetts and different states, but I just thought federally, there's no way this could happen. So, I mean, I mean, in that way, I'm so proud of my country that, that, you know, that that did get to happen, but now this crazy backlash, you know, but that's what happens. One step forward, two steps back, you know? Like Paula Abdul. Um... So, so it's Pride season. Shout out to Khaled. Uh, exactly. Hi, Paula. He, hi, Khaled. He paints Paula. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. My, my room and best friend does um, Paula Abdul's makeup. And I've I've gotten to work with her, and she, oh. she is a gem. She's so sweet. She's like on egg. So like have you noticed a difference in Pride over the years, Aurora? Um... Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely more commercialized. I feel we have mm. two prides here mm-hmm. in California. You know, we got three. L- three. Oh we yeah, downtown L- LA. LA is so gay. We need three. We That's need in three. September or something. So I, I I felt like WeHo Pride was like the real gay pride, the gut bucket. You know, gay pride, and then like LA Pride's the corporate America float pride. Okay, um, mm-hmm. which I was part of both. You know, I think they're both yeah. great, but. Um, but yeah, I I I think it's it's less about I think there's a whole generation of of kids and people that that have no they think that the way things are now is how, is how they've always been. 
and and that they can go out and be publicly queer and hold hands and and see people like them on TV and have shows like Pose and stuff. Like like Mm -hmm. that was not like when I, you know, I knew I was trans from a very young age, but you know, at thirteen years old, that wasn't even a word. Yeah, that wasn't a household word. I had to look up gay in the phone book. You know, like, and now it's just like everywhere, you know, it's um, shoving it down our throats. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the coolest pride, which it wasn't even a pride that I've ever been a, a part of was um, the Black Lives Matter March here in LA. Mm, yeah. It was because it was supposed to be a pride march. Mm-hmm. And and then of course that got canceled because it was COVID and you know there was just so much unrest, but I but that was the most liberating organic march I've ever been a part of. Yeah, because everybody was marching for something that mattered. Yeah, and I looked around and I saw all these trans lives matter signs and mm-hmm. flags, and I never thought I would see that. I turned around and there was like this huge trans lives matter banner, and this queen like dragging this fur coat, just living her best Beyonce life, and I was like. I don't know if I'll ever be a part of something like this again, but I'm so happy I'm in it now because it yeah. was just – and I felt like that's what the the marches in the 60s and the 70s were like. Right. You know, when they were like purpose. really demanding it, there was yeah. a purpose for it. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, do you have any – what was your first Pride, Varla? Do you remember? Uh, I did New York Pride in like 93 on the boy bar float, which was just – and amazing. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, I think Candace Kane was on it and Girlina and, and uh, Perfidia and all of these amazing queens. And uh, it was just, it was unbelievable just to, you know, be in New York to look up at those buildings and, you know, because when you're in a cab, you don't look up. So it was just amazing to be on a float. For some odd reason, I had a raw chicken in a plate. Of course. <laughs> no, you know why? You. And I carried it. I carried it the entire way. I couldn't move my arm for like two weeks. I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know why. Nikki, uh, do, you, do you do Pride up in um, San Fran? Yeah, our Pride is coming up um, our last Pride weekend, right? Last Sunday of the month. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's coming up. My um, And, you know, Pride is like the Olympics, honestly, for like drag performers. It's like five days, 12 gigs, like back to back, you know. <laughs> but July comes, baby, I'm on a vacation. I'm going to be on a beach. <laughs> I'm going to be enjoying myself. Um, but I think my very first Pride was actually in L.A. I was like... Because I'm originally from Los Angeles, and I went with some friends from high school, and I, we went to like WeHo Pride, and I was like 19, and I like went there, and we went to the Abbey afterwards. It was like me and like four other black dudes, and we all used the same ID to get in, and like, we all literally just went in one exit. Someone came out the other, and then another one would go in using the different IDs. But I remember like <laughs> I was like, wow this is way better than queer as folk. Like <laughs> that shit was so fucking stupid. And I'm like, this is like amazing. Um, and I was like my first pride ever. And I still love that. Um, I don't really go to like the pride event here in San Francisco anymore. Um, Cause it's just like, it's just so many people I'm, and I'm booked. So I'm like, I'll be on the main stage, do a number. And then I'm like off to the next gig. Right. How about you Godoy? My first Pride, it was not Pride, but my first mm-hmm. major gay event or Lugabata event was, um, that's the LGBTQ community, you know. Lugabata? Lugabata. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> was the AIDS um, march. What is it called? AIDS walk, sorry. Mm. Um, and I was in, a sophomore in high school. 
Okay, and it was I the were. gayest thing I had ever seen, and I felt <laughs> so welcomed. I think our school was like number one in raising money for them, um, school related. And then I think it was my first LA Pride was uh, with my best friend who I did drag with, and that was amazing. I remember wearing, um, remember those eight inch like Lady Gaga pleaser boots. No, I wore those hey, ones. Eight inch for pride. Eight inches, and I walked all of it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't. Do, I'm I glad you lived. Still deal with toenail damage from a Halloween pride parade, the Halloween WeHo parade in 2001. My toenail still isn't right from that. It still yeah. doesn't grow right. It'll mess Protect you up. Protect your feet. It'll mess you up. Oh my God. Listeners, Protect your viewers, feet, girls. Protect <laughs> protect the toes. It's so hard when you're on your back and a guy's trying to put your foot in his mouth just to like be like, no, grab the other one. You don't want that one. <laughs> Try the other. Yeah. <laughs> Try the other foot. <laughs> that, that one's a, a sour pickle over there. And a reminder to our listeners, this episode is brought to you by Bombas. We love Bombas and their special pride collection with vibrant socks, shirts, and super comfy underwear, all designed to help you be your most. I wore Bombas socks at the last pride. Uh, right? Like yeah. two years ago. I've been wearing them forever. They're great socks. Yeah. They do what needs to be done. And in order to be your most knowledgeable, we are going to provide you with a little known pride, pride fact today. Uh, this fact is about dyke marches. All right. Okay, so while the first U.S. Pride event can be traced back to 1970, the first dyke march didn't happen for 23 more years. So dyke marches uh, usually happen on the eve of Pride parades. They were first organized by the radical activist group, the Lesbian Avengers. Yes. They were frustrated by lack of lesbian visibility, mm -hmm. and the Lesbian Avengers organized direct action protests on April 24th. 4th, 1993, the evening before the LGBT Pride March on Washington, D.C., 20,000 women marched to the White House where a dozen lesbian Avengers ate fire. <laughs> you better worry. Yes. You want to do something to get the attention. Yes. Let's eat some fire. I, I gag. My first dyke march was the Friday of a Pride. They did it at like sunset in front of Mickey's and I was on a big wheel mm -hmm. and they let me ride in front of all the motorcycles. I love that. It was great. Yes. I mean, so many of, I feel like so many of our fans uh, are are members of the L in the LGBT. Oh, yeah. You know, the L starts. L is for elegant. Um, no, we love our, uh, we love our lesbian fans. We love our Dyke fans. Yes. And so, I mean, I think Dyke marches are extremely important. Me too. Um, as are, like, Lesbian spaces, lesbian bars, in uh, general, lesbian centric uh, activities, and we have to applaud the very first uh, originators of the Dyke March. They are trailblazing queer individuals who were certainly being there most. Mm -hmm. And the Bombus Pride Collection is also designed to help you be your most supportive. 40% of homeless youth in the U.S. identifies LGBTQIA+, which is why every item purchased in this collection is matched by an item donated to someone in the LGBTQIA community experienced homelessness through the Ally Coalition. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing, 
which is incredible. And I love these. I, I love these underwears. <laughs> They're really great. Bombas is really on top of it with this. So if you want to love the socks and underwear you've got on, just like us, go to bombas.com slash pride chat and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash P-R-I-D-E-C-H-A-T for 20% off. In case you missed that, it's bombas.com slash pride chat. Can you tell us a little bit about Generation Drag? I would love to. Discovery Plus is, last year they did um, something great with um, these old school queens that like had pictures from the 40s and 50s. Yeah. And this year mm. now it's just like a whole show about they, actual ones now. They have so much stuff going on. My um, my friend Michael Shani just wrote The Book of Queer with oh, Eric yes. Servini. Like that's in there. So many of our friends on there. It's so funny. It's like basically drunk history, but, queer. but for queer history. Yeah. Morgue. Um, so the show I'm on... Um, I was invited, uh, one of my drag sisters I started doing drag with, um, her and uh, this woman created this event called Drag Utant, mm -hmm. which is basically a safe space for um, young kids that do drag to come and perform and just have fun and be celebrated. Um, so I could plan a debutante ball. So they ended up getting it sold to Tyra Banks Production Company, and they came in. And um, it's the same producers of I Am Jazz, and they basically... Um, show uh, families navigating how to raise young queer and trans children who do mm -hmm. drag as a creative outlet. And the main five kids who are all amazing and so talented and have the most supportive, wonderful families um, got paired with drag mothers. So I am a mommy. And, uh, my daughter is, her name's Noah, a.k.a. Pop-Tart. And she Word. is 16 years old, trans and stunning. And she's like, prodigy level Warhol art genius. Like, oh, like I go into, like it, if, if you watch the show, I go into her workspace and just her art is incredible. She made, she crocheted these uterus panties and like a full womb and like stuff. And, and she's like, just, just talking about it. Like, like it's nothing. And I'm like, these are incredible. Like the level yeah. of detail on here. Um, but uh, and her, and her family, you know, her dad, he's he's a firefighter, and he came from a very butch, you know, masculine world. So it was very difficult for him in the beginning to accept her. And now he helps her make her costumes, her props, her sets. Like he's so proud of her. And um, they just uh, launched the show at Tribeca, in New York. Um, the um, the ads were running on Times Square. Like like it's a really really huge deal. And I was standing in the back of the auditorium with my sister, and I was like, you know, we started like tap dancing this shit in a coffee shop on Alameda, and now these kids get this huge worldwide platform right. to express themselves and have fun. So, you know, it's like sometimes you just got to wait for the world to change a little. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm so glad that they have this. Please tune in. It's on Discovery Plus, and you can stream all six episodes right now. Okay. Generation Drag. Generation Drag. How oh, many drag my. babies do you have? I think I know Amaya. Is she your baby or your sister? She's my sister. What? She's my um, sister. Like that, She's my baby. Like that, that's another Sexton cult from the Midwest. Like uh. My cult. So my, my drag mother, Kira Sexton, she had like 50 kids. So I have a lot of brothers and sisters. Oh, like an Andrews. Yes. And, well, they're both from Texas. You know, they Honey, multiply. Honey, Texas girls. So my, my drag mother passed away um, three years ago from cancer. And one of her final wishes was for me to become the mother of the house. Oh. So now I have like a lot. 
which I, I was always very happy just being the auntie. Yeah. And just like, you know, being kind and mentoring and like, you know, helping out and then like giving them back. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, now I'm kind of settling into like that role. Motherhood. I, I, like, I like motherhood. I like being a mom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any drag babies, Nikki? Um, yeah, I have a few drag children. I mean, I call like, I call all my works. fans. I call them all like cummies. I call all my fans cummies. <laughs> my fans, because we all came from the same place. We all, you know. Um, uh, but I have three like real drag children that actually do drag on their own. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like really beautiful. I mean, I, I, I'm there. I, I'm the one who's like, I'll put you on the guest list. I'll teach you some things. We'll show each other. Let's get some food. Um, but I don't like hold their hand through like everything. Right. But I'm trying to be more in their lives. Be like, here, this is what like works for you. This is what's good. I and I like you know I book them. So that's the most important thing. I give them babe. That's good. Yeah. Do you have any babies, Varla? You know I don't have any real babies. No, but I, you know Bendel Cram is definitely somebody who um, mm. you know she's called me and asked things and we've talked and I mean I love her and you know Jinx. I mean I felt you know when I share a dress with Jinx, I guess you always feel like you're Jinx's mother. <laughs> and back then <laughs> Jinx was so wild. <laughs> oh my God, the stories of that dressing room. But uh, so no, you know I traveled so much and I had moved to New York and then I, I traveled really to Provincetown where I was never really in one place at a lot of time, but you know, those girls definitely, um, you know, and there's been a lot of girls who, who, who'll, you know, say I inspired them or, or helped them. So, I mean, but I have no bloodline. No. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Bev? Do you have any baby or Godoy? Do you have any babies? I don't have any babies. I choose to swallow them. Um, I will <laughs> never have a drag child, but I do have great drag parents. Oh. I am a, Actually, I don't think a lot of people know this, but Sasha Colby is my drag mom. Okay. Yeah. And Marco Marco is my drag dad. Okay. Well, that's a good family. Hell yeah. That's quite yeah. a good family. Yeah. This is another Pride, Pride History, History Um, do you want to read it, Will? In the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, LGBTQ people were regularly arrested for violating what became as known as the three-article rule, or the three-piece law. The rule stipulated that a person was required to wear at least three gender-appropriate articles of clothing to avoid arrest for cross-dressing. It was referenced everywhere, including in reports about arrests in Greenwich Village in the weeks and months leading up to the 1969 Stonewall riots. The problem is, the law technically never existed. <gasps> Twist. Instead, accounts suggest that police generally used old, often unrelated laws to target LGBT people. In New York, a law commonly used against the LGBTQ community dates to 1845 and was originally intended to punish rural rural farmers who had taken to dressing like Native Americans to fight off tax collectors. There is so much fucked up about this. So they're just dunking bitches' heads in mop buckets for no reason? It wasn't even a law? God damn it. This is why we uh, marched. Y'all have it easy, you little upstart. Well, I heard that's why people uh, would wear uh, tube socks as their breasts, because that would count as wearing a, an, a, an article of men's clothing. Oh, um, that's why I do it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, so, Godoy, you have competed in the very famous best in drag competition here in Los Angeles. Um, why don't you tell us about what that is? 
as the only pageant queen on this panel today, I would like uh, to. Oh, oh Bitch, she oh, owns the pageant and oh, she yeah, wins pageants. Oh, what? And I did EOY 2010. Fuck off. Yeah. I even did a pageant. You did? <laughs> Dead last? <laughs> well, technically speaking, Godoy did not compete in it. It was Frida Mexican, my very political drag name. Um, if you don't get the pun, it's. What does it mean? I thought it was a, a, named after the restaurant. Fritos, which is really good. Uh, partly because they sponsored me. No, they did not. <laughs> they uh, should have. <laughs> um, and it's where we compete. It's all fun and games. We don't. It's not a serious pageant. Um, it is serious because we get to raise money for people living with HIV and AIDS, mm -hmm. and we raise awareness to uh, to the cause as well. Mm -hmm. um, what was your other half of the question? <laughs> we were judges. Well, you yes, were judges. We did. Ju did we judge the year you were in it? Yes, yes. And I got third place. A lovely second runner up. Lovely second second alternate. Um. So you have you have had a few different drag identities. You mentioned free the Mexican. Does it mean free the Mexicans? Yes, free the Mexicans. Because at the time they, um, they still are, but there's a lot of children that are in detainment camps and cages. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of. Latin women and immigrant women like getting their uteruses like ripped out of them as well, Girl. which is something to definitely read about and educate yourselves on. We don't have enough time today, but yes, please educate yourself on that. Yeah. So, Freedom Mexican, Godoy, you got any other drag names in the uh, in the canister? The original. Be Beverly Next Door. Beverly Next Door, as Alaska <laughs> would call me, or Beverly Lux as well. Um, and I did change that drag name because... Because people started start calling you Beverly Sucks. Beverly Sucks. And I was like, yes, oh, Beverly? but don't Beverly help sucks? me. <laughs> well, I changed Why? it because... That's what, the, that's what they pay her for. She's kidding. They didn't call me Beverly oh, Sucks. Oh, okay. To right. my face. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it said that on the bathroom walls. <laughs> <laughs> it was advertising. <laughs> well, I changed it because I'm very in tune with my Latin culture so by Mexican culture I, mm -hmm. Willem had mentioned that I'm a trained ballet flocorico dancer and I, I'm like <laughs> doing it since I was like eight um, probably before that and Beverly Lux just sounds so white it does <laughs> like the image that comes into my head is that blonde Marilyn that I took from Courtney mm -hmm. and these contacts <laughs> So I guess not much changed, but no, the name did change, and I said "fuck you" name, and I changed it to Godoy, which is actually my legal last name. Oh, right. yeah. uh, work! Like a lot of stars only have one name: Cher, Madonna. Well, yeah, Cher, well, Madonna, um, Beyonce. Well, <laughs> don't <laughs> bless you. Yeah, RuPaul. RuPaul, yes. Mm -hmm. All right, this is a question for everyone: um, uh, representation, visibility. Do you think there's more representation and visibility of all different types of drag nowadays? And uh, what are some of your favorite queens out there that we want everyone watching and listening to know about? Aurora, why don't you start? <laughs> Aurora. What kind of a name is that for a baby? Aurora. <laughs> If, if you know that reference, you're a good gay. Um, I don't even know. What is it? The Golden, the Golden Girls. Girls. Oh, okay. I haven't seen them all. Oh, bad gay. Yeah, I know. 
Um, yeah, I I think I think there is more representation than ever. I definitely think there needs to be more, you know, for drag kings, for mm, um, bio queens, femme queens. I mean, you know, there there's just so much now. Mm -hmm. But I think overall, um, you know, we're we're at we're at a place in our our industry where you know there's so much visibility, yeah. and I think that's great. But again, you know, referencing our conversation earlier, it's also a double-edged sword and can make it dangerous for, you know, others of us who um, are just, you know, trying to do our job and have fun. Yeah. Um, who are some of my favorite queens? Um, uh, Conchita Wurst, mm. um, the Vilbergs. Oh, they're mm. cool. They're incredible. Mm. They're really cool. Um, Dolly from uh, Dragula. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I grew up watching like Varla and Bunny and Candace, you know, and um, Raven O and, mm -hmm. um, you know, so many legends that paved the way. Erica Andrews, Mimi Marks, yeah. Monica Monroe, um, you know, and now it's kind of like our time and their time. And yeah, and it's it's cool. Mm. How about you, Godoy? Yes. <laughs> what was the first part to your One question? word answers. <laughs> uh, do you think there's more representation and visibility of all types of drag nowadays? And who are who or what are some of your favorite queens that we should know about? There can always be more representation of drag everywhere. I think the more mainstream we go, the um, the more we fight, the more visibility we get. I think it's for the best. And some drag queens that I think we should all know about. I mean, Sadie Pines. Oh, I love yeah. Sadie Pines. We love her. That's my girl. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say L.A. locals, right? Because in L.A. and Southern California, we do have a plethora of great drag entertainers that kind of get swarmed by the more famous ones um, and sometimes almost get pushed aside because of needing to include and budget for bigger stars. Um, so I will say all of my LA and Southern California local gals, such as the Rockettes from Rocco's, mm -hmm. the girls at the Abbey, the Illusions, Misty's, Barbie's Addictions, the uh, Lolita mm. Colby's, the entire house of Colby. Mm. Um, I will say anyone from your local town, highlight them, bring them up That's and true. tip them the house yes. down. And I got to give a shout out to all my Rockettes because I am one of the Rocco's Rockettes. Yes. Uh, um, all the girls are amazing. Lolita, Miami, LaDawn, uh, Kyra. Um, those Jate girls. Those Jate, Girl, all those Jate, Jate, Jate girls. girls. Calypso, oh. Kyra. I just did a gig with Kyra, and I was like, I am not going after her. Don't make me go after her. <laughs> and they didn't. Uh -uh. I was so glad. I was like, put me after Lauren Banal. Onion nuts, butter. I mean, they're they're all, like, so incredible. There are so many incredible artists here in L.A. Yeah. Hey, Nikki, any um, upstarts we should look out for? Um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, some of my favorite, like, local girls here in the Bay Area, like Mary Vice. Uh, she's, like, my good Judy, who's amazing. She's beautiful, and that's why I hate her. At the same uh -huh. time, um, Malay Balenciaga, who's a Bay Area performer. She's, like, yes. a beautiful trans woman. Uh -huh. Knows how to tear down. Always human hair. Always. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about the Jatays, but her Sheila Core Jatay is, like, she like does it for me. I love her. I love seeing her perform. Um, Tito Soto, who's like one of my best friends, mm -hmm. um, like is me and him like take over the city at Oasis here. And yeah, I mean, some of my like anybody, any Kool-Aid pretty much. Uh, I'm like obsessed with Cat Wilderness. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like fucking love her. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, Bay Area Snacks, she's really amazing. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I think representation like in your local scene is like very important. Yeah. So it's like, you have to uplift everyone because like, you know, a lot of people like they'll spend the money to go see a girl who's been on the show, like it's been on TV, but it's like, remember before they were on TV, they were a local girl. Mm-hmm. They were that girl grabbing tips, working hard at the club. Um, and remember like they have to start somewhere and always just uh, support your local like performers because like they are the ones that like you see on a regular basis that work really hard, who give you everything on a regular basis, like in front of you. And, right. you know, I think representation of like supporting those performers is really important. And like, you know, like here in San Francisco, I run the only all black drag show. And like, I think that's something like a lot of places need more of, Dude. like after the whole like Black Lives Matter uprising of 2020 and the unrest of that, people started like diversifying their like lineups. But like, I still see shows where it's like the one token black girl. And I'm like, I'm tired of just doing the little Kim and Lady Marmalade. Maybe I want to phone it in and be pink, okay? What about Maya? (laughs) What's wrong with Maya, bitch? (laughs) Okay, but like little, let's be real. Maya's part is good, but little Kim's is the best. But like, Uh, I always got to be, uh, it is the best part. uh, Little uh, Kim's uh, is uh, the best part. Um, But it's just one of those things I think in local, at least here in San Francisco, I see a lot more representation and diversity of like different types of drag. Because we're just like a city full of weirdos and we do everything. Um, Honey Mahogany is going to be city council or something. Yeah, Honey Mahogany is running for district supervisor. And if she wins, she'll be the first uh, black trans uh, uh, supervisor. When she wins. Yeah, when she wins. Yeah. When she wins. Um, Yeah, me and her, we actually just got nominated to be, we're one of the nominees for Drag Laureate of San Francisco to be the very first Drag Laureate. Pretty much means we just show up and like, cut ribbons at libraries and show up in places um which i'm like sure i don't know i mean i hate the fucking mayor here but a paycheck's a paycheck so that part varla do you think there's more representation and visibility of all types of drag nowadays and if so who are some of the queens that you see visible well, I do. I mean, I just think, I mean, there's just so much more drag of all types. And I, even drag race to, you know, even though I think a lot of the time they have a, a certain role they fill, you know, they, there's, you know, much wider variety, but here in Provincetown, there are three girls that I just can't even believe when they sing the voices. I can't believe Kaya Crystal is one. Mm-hmm. Her voice is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Adelta Miles, who's another one, this big queen and, and Roxy Pops. I mean, the, the voices, like, I mean, it's, they're phenomenal performers. So if you're in problem and they're all local girls. And so uh, there's new owners where I am now at the crown and anchor. And they're really just, they're, they're not getting a lot of out of town Queens. They're trying to, to, to promote all the local girls here. So I think it's really admirable. Love that. Are there any uh, local girls that we should look out for in your esteem? Yeah, there's this girl named Willem. I think she's just, I think she's doing really interesting, cool things. Mm, She sounds underground. She is very under, she's on the ground. Honey, you don't even know. (laughs) I think we should look out for the Davenports. Uh Anybody with a Davenport on it. Um, I really, I think La Cienega Boulevard makes me laugh. I like anything Meatball does. Yeah, um, I like Chikatita, Nikki mm-hmm. Nikki Monet, um, Fantasia, uh, Gaga Royale, yeah, Giselle, um, Giselle, of course. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I, I love all the girls. Yeah, there's drag queens all over the place. And Everywhere. we just did Drag Queen of the Year. Militia Skunt just won. Yes. Um, and she's incredible. Uh, Meatball, Andrew Barrett Cox. I mean, and all there's so many drag performers all over the place who run the entire rainbow of drag. And there's way more types of drag performers than are on RuPaul's Drag Race. And I think yeah. that's important <laughs> to remember and to support and uplift. Ladies and gentlemen, Maddie Morphosis. Yeah, she's here. She's been here all along. We want to thank you all so much for being a part of this panel. Oh my yes. God, we're so lucky. So lucky that we get to have thank pride you. and like do things again. And it's, yes. not, it's not pride online like 2021. Pride, a deeper love. Pride, a deeper love. Varla, where can we find you online? Uh, I'm Varla Jean Merman on Instagram and Varla Jean Merman on uh, Facebook. That's about it. Varla Jean Merman on Twitter. Yeah. Nice. Nikki? Um, you can find me on all social medias as Nikki Jizz, N-I-C-K-I, Jizz, like semen. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, you can find me on Uber Eats at Willem. Godoy, where can we find you? You can find me at G-I-S-F-O-R-G-O-D-O-Y. That's G is for Godoy on oh. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Venmo. Oh. <laughs> Miss Aurora Sexton. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Aurora Sexton and on Discovery Plus for Generation Drag. Stream all six episodes today. Yes. yes. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Round table, my ass. Dang. It's a rectangular. <laughs> I saw the table and it was rectangular. This is a polygon. We'd like to thank Bombas for sponsoring today's special round table conversation. Pride chat. Hi, I saw the table and it was rectangular. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, no, Bombas, their mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Yeah, Bombas is celebrating Pride with a new collection made for taking whatever you do, how you express yourself, whoever you are, and being your most. Having freedom to express yourself, to own your passion, and embrace whatever it is that drives you to do what you do best. And if you want your socks, your underwear, your shirts, and yourself to be the most, check out Bombas. We love their underwear. I may or may not be wearing them right now. I'm just saying. They're very, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like a gondola for your balls. And Smooth. they're really... <laughs> And they're really cute, and that matters to me. We love the options. And remember, every item purchased in this collection is matched by an item donated to someone in the LGBTQIA plus community experiencing homelessness through the Ally Coalition. So go to bombas.com slash chat and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash P-R-I-D-E-C-H-A-T for 20% off. Bombas.com slash chat. Bombas.